Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Going to be taken now by Davis. Good outlet pass to LeBron. Here he goes. Back pass to Danny Green. <laughs> oh, my and goodness. And he scores it. What Whoa. a pass by LeBron. <laughs> Woo. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, contrary to what you may have heard, Anthony Davis did not have to amputate his thumb due to a severe case of gangrene and Ebola. It's a combo fusion case. We did not have to inject his body with adamantium to regrow that thumb. We did not have to flush the Lakers' entire season down the toilet in one fell swoop. But we did get to see the next stage evolution in the LeBron James and Anthony Davis duo pairing of devastation as the Lakers' two 6'8 and 6'10 forwards unleashed an onslaught of ridiculous passes and dribble moves on the Warriors all night, while also displaying an almost comical perfection and ease in the pick and roll that had all of Lakers nation sucking their thumbs in pure euphoria. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my typical co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how many thumbs up would you rate Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and the Lakers as a whole for last night's performance against the Golden State Warriors? Game five of the preseason. The penultimate preseason game and likely last dress rehearsal before the regular season starts. So how many thumbs up, Tommy? I give them 39 thumbs up. Whoa, you have 39 thumbs. You are a freak, but I concur. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but we're probably going to be hyperbolic, so there's no use trying to contain ourselves. Where does last night's game rank in terms of preseason games for you as a Lakers fan? Obviously, in the last decade, it's probably up there. But, uh, but yeah, where, where do you think it ranks for you? In terms of preseason games, for sure, one of the best of all time. I mean, it feels silly saying it, right? Um, but with the caveat of preseason games only, I think potentially one of the best of all time. It's the last time I can remember that there was this much like hype and excitement coming into the season was probably the uh, Steve Nash and Dwight year. Mm -hmm. And we went like 0-7 or 0-8 or whatever in the preseason that year, right? Or maybe like 1-7 or something. Yeah. And then we started, we went from that into a slow start, and then Mike Brown was fired like four games into the season, right? Mm -hmm. um, last time before that, that people were like this excited, I don't even remember, maybe like when we first got Shaq, I, honestly, I, I don't know. So in this realm of preseason, 
definitely the um, the most exciting game I think I've seen. Um, but we'll wait and see how that translates to regular season. Yeah, and obviously, caveat, caveat. It, this was against the Golden State Warriors, severely undermanned. They were starting Marquise Chris. Steph Curry wasn't even playing. But I, I don't think Lakers fans are excited because we beat up on this undermanned Golden State Warriors team again. I think we just saw so many glimpses and flashes of what this team can be. Um, and we're just projecting that fourth and just seeing the chemistry between LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's what has us excited. Not the fact that we pummeled the Golden State Warriors again. I would say last year we had that really lit game where Brandon Ingram, that sideline out-of-bounds game where the where we were facing the Kings. The game went into overtime. Brandon Ingram had like 31 points. I think we were at the game, actually. Uh, that was a pretty exciting game. But in terms of what this game meant moving forward as it pertains to the pairing of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, this one means a lot more, I feel like. And it has it has more, there's more weight to it. And I think that's why so many fans are over the top excited at what they witnessed last night. We thought game one was, was exciting, but seeing Quinn Cook and, and seeing more of our full roster, it's crazy to think that Kyle Kuzma's not even a part of this. Seeing them right. come together a little bit more I don't know. It just it just gives you such hope for the future because we we still don't have everything you know put together yet. We're not firing on all cylinders yet. But to see these glimpses even before the regular season has started, I think is very promising and just just shows you again just how dominant LeBron James and Anthony Davis are. Um, in this episode, it's going to be a quick one. LeBron James. LeBron James. Oh my gosh. Last night's game was the perfect LeBron James sort of game. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. LeBron is looking obviously. sharp. He's looking spry. I'm, I'm very impressed with Those him. pocket passes. That's a pocket pass. Those pocket passes by LeBron James were incredible. Um, and we'll get into all of that tonight. Um, before we get started, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many more weddings in downtown Cleveland that Jordan Clarkson will be crashing on his scooter wearing his jorts and Tupac shirt, where he will forever be embedded in your wedding photos for all your loved ones to see. So what a beautiful memory. Yes, please rate and review us for that reason, but also please rate and review us because we are pumping out two episodes in the next four days before the season starts, this one and a season preview, season awards and predictions show that I'll be doing with my friend Andy. So please appreciate the grind and help us out with this very small, simple favor of rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Also, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way, you can also go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Even a dollar helps. We are brought to you by lineups.com, and for the foreseeable future, you can catch our episodes on Spreaker. We're going to be trying out Spreaker as a new platform, so hope you guys like that. Um, With that said, Tommy, what was your favorite play of the night? I know it's super hard to pick, but I'm going to force you to pick one. Obviously, we got the uh, Braun spin move on two guys, leaving his feet while spinning, whipping the ball across his head, backwards to Danny Green on the baseline for the wide, wide open three. Um, Steve Nash has done this move before. Isaiah Thomas has done it with the Celtics. Pretty much a no-look wraparound behind your head pass. Uh, We got the Caruso to Braun to Dwight, alley-oop where the ball never hit the floor. Uh, The Braun pass to Danny Green threading the needle 
uh, threading the needle through like three defenders, even though Danny Green didn't make the layup, JaVale McGee cleaned it up. Uh, the LeBron James nonchalant, nonchalant pocket bounce pass to JaVale McGee for the dunk. I think he had another pocket pass to Anthony Davis for a two-handed flush. And then Anthony Davis had like eight assists. Uh, I think his best assist was the uh, crossover on the perimeter. He did a mini spin move and then a sweet dump off to Caruso for the reverse. So uh, what was your favorite play of the night? Well, that was a lot, and you didn't even mention the uh, JaVale faking a knee injury and then coming back on the court to get a wide-open <laughs> dunk. You're right. So, I mean, look, like you said, a lot of the amazing plays in the game. I think my favorite was probably... It was probably the Caruso to LeBron to Dwight play, where mm-hmm. Caruso kind of lobbed it up to LeBron, and LeBron grabbed it in midair and threw another lob to Dwight, who, like, hammered it down with power. and It just kind of really emphasized how we're planning to play this year, you know, like we're going to take advantage of our size. We're going to like beat the crap out of people in the paint. And that play really highlighted that to me. I mean, not that many people have a six, eight, 240 pound or whatever LeBron is dude on their team who can make plays like that. And when that's like the third top biggest guy on the floor for you at any given, at any, any given time, it's pretty devastating. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that play was just kind of like a showboaty way of highlighting that. Like Dwight Howard, who everybody had written off, only played nine games last year. I'm sure everybody's noticed it, but as each game of the preseason has progressed, he's looked much, much, much in much, much better game shape and much, much less rusty. At first, it just kind of looked like, okay, Dwight looks like a old man who just had back surgery, but I guess this is just what he plays like now. And like, don't get me wrong. He's definitely not the same Dwight from Orlando or whatever, even, you know, the first time with the Lakers, but he is getting more and more spry looking with each game. And he's definitely somewhere in between what he used to be and what we saw at the beginning of the preseason, or maybe even, you know, what we saw in limited action last year. Like this guy can still play. I I was actually watching the ESPN feed I think uh, Mark Jackson, I can't remember who was, who was calling it, but I'm pretty sure it was Mark Jackson, and he said Dwight is like a starting caliber center in, in, in the uh, league, and I agree with that. When you think of 30 teams, like Dwight is not the 31st best center in the NBA, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and he's our backup who's going to maybe play like 18 minutes a game, but in those 18 minutes, he could just be so dominant because he could leave it all out on the floor and... It was just an exciting play. Yep, I agree. My favorite play, I didn't even mention it, but it's pretty similar to that one. It's the one that every, I think it's the first alley-oop that happened that everyone has coined to this point as the Kobe to Pow to Bynum alley-oop. And that was LeBron James, you know, skipping a pocket bounce pass to Anthony Davis, who I think he only takes one step into the free throw line and immediately lofts it up for JaVale McGee and JaVale McGee throws it down. And it was just as in sync as the Caruso, LeBron, uh, Dwight Howard play. But that one was really awesome to see because that's that's your entire front court. You know, those there are no guards involved there. And it just shows you how versatile we are and, and just the amount of length that we have, like, like you mentioned. And uh, the whole night was just littered with those types of plays. And, and it's incredible. It's insane. Again, it was the Golden State Warriors. They look like chickens with their heads cut off. But I think one thing that you have to note is, and that you can actually project out into the season is, the Lakers should be beating up on bad teams like this 
every single night whenever they face these sort of teams. I don't care if we were struck by that Lakers curse where we play down to our opponents. I think we're too talented to even do that, you know, or, or we may play down to our opponents a little bit, but our talent is just going to overpower and outweigh any sort of like malaise that we're in on a nightly basis, I feel like. Do you know what I'm saying? So even though even though people are going to put a lot of qualifiers on this win against a crappy Golden State Warriors team, it's promising to know that the Lakers will be putting a beat down on similar teams like this in the regular season. And obviously Golden State's going to be much better when we face them next, but the Charlotte Hornets, Memphis well, Grizzlies. The crazy thing, yeah. The, these are the types of wins we're going to get. So, No, I mean, I, I totally agree. And the crazy thing about the Golden State game to remember, though, is like, yeah, they're working in a lot of new pieces, but so are we. They still threw two All-Stars out there on the court. Um, and I know it's not the same caliber of, of what, as uh, what we were throwing out there, but this is a team that, like, not many people are projecting to be, I mean, sorry, most people rather are projecting to be a playoff team, maybe not a top four team in the West, but like a, I think in a lot of people's minds, they're a lock playoff team and we've just made them look horrendous. I mean, if this was all, you know, in three games and yeah, it was preseason. Yeah. We only one of those three, we played against all three of their guys or whatever, but we made them look like, I, I mean, they don't look like a playoff team when they play us, you know, so that it's pretty impressive preseason or not. Um, like you said, we'll put a million caveats on everything just because it's just because it is preseason, but it's pretty clear to see how what we're seeing so far will translate to regular season games. Yeah. So let's segue into that and talk quickly about the Anthony Davis and LeBron James duo. The last time we'll see them before the regular season starts, they won't be playing the last game against the Warriors in San Francisco. Man, this was game one, but amp it up and like inject crack and all this other stuff, cocaine. I don't know my drugs correctly, but inject all of that into what you saw in game one. And we saw the perfect encapsulation of what this duo can be surrounded by the right shooters and surrounded by guys who are finally hitting their wide open shots. Can you just talk about just how insane this this pairing showed out last night? During this preseason, Anthony Davis and LeBron James have a plus 31.8 net rating when they're on the floor together. Uh, before last night's game, they had outscored opponents by 17 in the 43 minutes that they were out on the floor together. I'm guessing after last night's game, that's probably jumped to like 25 points or something, outscoring opponents 25 right. points. Um, look, I mean, I think LeBron James had, what, six six assists. Anthony Davis had eight assists. Anthony Davis really showed off his playmaking point guard chops. I know when Anthony Davis got traded to the Lakers, a bunch of like cynical Pelicans bloggers were saying, I hate how overplayed it is that how overplayed the story of Anthony Davis once being a high school point guard is because he's not that great of a playmaker. And with what you've seen in this preseason, I think it's very clear that story is not overplayed at all. I can, I can very clearly see how he was once a point guard, you know, and he's just, he's just now tapping into that potential and you can see him exploring his space and it's it's been crazy to see him break guys off the dribble from the perimeter and actually play make and find guys and just the amount of gravity he has is the exact same amount of gravity that LeBron James has and last night the pictures were comical it may just be that the Golden State Warriors are this horrendous defensively but <laughs> everybody's talking about how wide open Rajon Rondo has been for his threes 
Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook have all been just as wide open as Rajon Rondo, okay? This is not even a Rondo thing anymore. All purely because Anthony Davis, LeBron James, that pick-and-roll duo is so devastating that those guys are always going to be open. And even more than that, you see when LeBron James and Anthony Davis miss any sort of shots during the few times that they do miss a shot, it's easy cleanups for anybody who's... in the vicinity of the basket. Ask JaVale McGee, ask Danny Green, ask Avery Bradley. These guys are getting wide open layups, wide open threes. It almost looks like a scrimmage practice for the rest of the role players not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis because these two guys are kind of working on their own like level. They're in their own galaxy and the rest of the guys can just feed off of them so easily. So yeah, your thoughts on how versatile these two mofos look last night. <laughs> yeah, they looked uh, incredible, obviously. And and this is what we've kind of been projecting for most of the offseason. I mean, just to use the Clippers as an example, obviously because they're the other team that landed two arguably top five or six players. Um, our two guys are super, super complementary just on paper. Like one guy is more of a ball handler. One guy is historically – I mean, he's a big man, so he's never – been in a situation where he had uh, the ball that much, you know, at least in creating opportunities on the perimeter. So he's always had to learn how to like get his by being set up by somebody else. And you have like one of the best of all time in terms of setting other people up. So it's like you combine these two and it just seems like logically it should work. Also couple it with the fact that, you know, LeBron is coming off his, I think the least amount of games he's played in a season since his rookie year, um, I, you know, Anthony Davis is, uh, because of all the drama from last year, didn't play as much as he normally does. Mm -hmm. You throw these two guys out who are fresh and people also keep forgetting Anthony Davis is 26 and is continuing to improve as a basketball player. Like he's not by any mean reached his like, I won't say max potential, but like the pinnacle of what he can do. Um, Mm -hmm. He's still getting better and better every single day. So I will say, despite all that, though, it's still surprising to me how good of a playmaker he is. I did not expect this level. Um, He is like making plays and for a big man to do that kind of thing and not turn it over, you know, seven times is pretty impressive. I mean, on Draymond Green on the perimeter, no less on Draymond Green on the perimeter. I mean, he is showing like a level of handle. It's just crazy because I feel like he hasn't ever been pushed to the levels that LeBron is going to push him to this year. So who knows like what comes out of him? You know what I mean? Again, we're, we acquired not LeBron James, you know, part two, we acquired a guy who is one of the best players in the league already, but you know, not even really just barely entering his prime. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that, uh, progresses. But I mean, like you said, it's, it's so lethal what they do. And I, I think we talked offline or maybe on this, uh, on this pod about Mike, Trude- uh, Mike Trudell's appearance on Laker film rooms pod. Mm-hmm. And, it was late. It was uh, Pete and Darius, and they were just talking to him and asking him, you know, all these specific questions about like point guard rotations and like center rotations yeah. and like five man end of game rotations. And Trudell like kind of was like laughing towards the end, and they and they like started talking about it. And he was like, his basic point was, "You guys are taking this all way too seriously. We like it's we're gonna obsess over everything because we're basketball fans, but." 
we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the same team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that accounts, you know, for a lot of other deficiencies or perceived deficiencies. And, you know, the definition of quote unquote, making guys better is these two guys Ooh, because yes. they take so much pressure off of everybody else. I mean, you call it the gravity and it's so true when either of them has the ball in the paint attacking towards the basket because they're such effective finishers um, and they're going to, they can theoretically score so easily around the basket. Like all five guys, or at least four of the five guys are completely distracted by what's going on, like on every possession. Um, so you just have Danny green, like just standing in the corner and he's going to get a wide open three. You know what I mean? You have Quinn cook who can curl off the screens and hit a three KCP. Like it, it just so insane. And, and these role players can do exactly what they were brought here to do and exactly what they understand their role is. I think that's like another crazy thing is when you have a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, it kind of forces everybody to accept who they are and where they stand, right? Because you're not LeBron James and you're not Anthony Davis and you're not even close to that. So you're not going to be the sec first or second option on the team. And once you accept that you're not the first or second option on the team, and there's a lot of other good players too, it's like it becomes more of like a, you know, equal society of teammates who are, you know, one night Danny Green is going to go off and hit six threes and score 25 points. And then the next night, Kuzma will, you know, have a huge game. And then the next night, Dwight and JaVale will have big games. You know, it, it's going to be like that all season. I think yeah. that gets to your point of playing down to the competition. Like, you can't even really imagine how that's going to be. I mean, it is a, it's a problem for every team. The Warriors had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green, and a ton of role players, and they still didn't win all 82 games, right? So, yeah. it. Playing down to your opponent and having those dead games is is going to happen, but you imagine a low frequency of that because of all the depth that we have. Yeah, and you know, I think the best part about it was, I mean, LeBron James was on one, as the, the kids like to say last night, and so was Anthony Davis, even though he only had eight points, but he mentioned it himself post-game. This is such a new feeling for me to only have to score eight points, and we're up by like 30 and it just shows you what a brand new atmosphere and environment that both of these guys are in and just how rejuvenated LeBron James looks, you know? He's going to get frustrated by all the missed bunnies and whatnot, although he did have that insane, like, reverse layup that looked looked like ballet in the air. These guys are just going to continue to re-energize one another and re-energize their teammates, and it's such a beauty to watch. Well, I will say LeBron James, I think LeBron James, too, is still getting his legs under him. And we've oh, started yeah. to see those come out a little more in these last couple of games, too. So these guys are smart. They know how to conserve themselves. I wouldn't be that surprised if LeBron James went for a huge hammer dunk in game one of the regular season. Oh, absolutely. All right. Let's quickly talk about Quinn Cook. Uh, Jared Dudley also entered the fray. But, man, Quinn Cook, baby. I've been saying it. I've been tweeting it. I've been telling you guys on the message thread this boy is about to blow up, and blow up he did. I feel like with the Golden State Warriors, he was sort of capped just because of the players that he had to play behind. He sort of had to fall in line and was relegated to being a spot-up shooter. And also, the, the Warriors play more of this beautiful game, motion, offense, sort of egalitarian system where he wasn't really necessarily even afforded the opportunity to play point guard and play in pick-and-rolls. And... With, with a guy like Quinn Cook, who is such a good shooter, but not only such a good shooter, one who can shoot off the bounce, off his own dribble, 
uh, navigate through screens and just pull up on a dime. That's kind of what separates guys from being good NBA players to, you know, maybe reaching that threshold all-star level. Not saying that Quinn Cook is that because he has deficiencies like he's not athletic, he doesn't really, he can't really finish in the lane. But in terms of the shooting aspect of the game, Quinn Cook has it in aces. And him just coming into the game right off the bat, he had 16 points, 4 of 5 from 3. He had that pick-and-roll game going with Dwight Howard. He just looked so smooth out there. Um... I mentioned it to you guys before when before the season even started, before preseason even started. He reminds me of Seth Curry. He is the cheap version of Seth Curry. I really don't know at this point what separates them, maybe defensively, but on a team with Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, we can live with those deficiencies, especially if a guy like Quinn Cook is going to boost our offense to this magnitude and be such a perfect fit next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and even Dwight Howard. I mean, we saw that second unit where LeBron James and Anthony Davis both were off the floor, that second unit was still able to hum because of Quinn Cook. And we saw Quinn Cook and Dwight Howard in the offseason work a lot together, and that synergy and chemistry really showed itself last night. But more so, this is probably one of the few times we're seeing Quinn Cook really orchestrate an offense on his own and being given the keys to do so. And you just see how lethal he is shooting that ball, how quickly he gets it off, how purely the ball goes into the basket. He's able to show off more of his shifty dribbling handle. Quinn Cook, to me, with regards to former point guards, combo guards that LeBron James has played with, he's kind of a mix between Mario Chalmers with a better dribble game and Mo Williams, obviously a much more poorer man's Mo Williams because Mo Williams was a more dynamic scorer. But in terms of the shooting acumen that Quinn Cook possesses, very, very impressed. And at the very least, I could see Quinn Cook playing that Jordan Farmar role for us, but in a different way. Whereas Jordan Farmer was more athletic and kind of was a change of pace guard, Quinn Cook is just going to be that playmaker in a pinch, can really shoot the hell out of the ball uh, type of change of pace guard for us off the bench. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting a nod starting at some point either, just because of uh, what a lethal shooter he is. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on... um, the best Duke prospect to wear a Lakers uniform in the last decade. Hey, Tommy. Sorry to Ryan Kelly. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> double shade. Double yeah, shade. Yeah, what are your thoughts about uh, Quinn Cookies and Cream? Oh, um, Quinn Cook looked a lot better than I thought. So first of all, I did not realize Quinn Cook was this good, even after we signed him. Um once you started getting a little hyped on him, you started sharing some videos, and I watched a few of them. And you started to, and you start to realize really quickly when you watch his highlights that he's not just this. I almost said Troy Daniels, but I don't. I don't want to use Troy Daniels as like an as an example here because I think Troy Dan- Daniels is a little more dynamic than what I'm trying to get at. But you think of like these young, you think of like these like Mario Chalmers almost, or even Norris Cole. Like there's Matthew Delavadova to some extent there there's a history booby gibson a history of young small guards who play next to lebron and it doesn't matter that they don't necessarily have the point guard skills because they can like light it up but quinn cook is like not that type of guy you know what i mean he is a dynamic player he really knows how to play offensively he's a really efficient and good player offensively i mean he could be so much more than he's shown the last few years. I think a big thing like you highlighted is he was playing on a team in Golden State with four All-Stars the entire time he was there. 
his role, if he wanted to get on the court, was to shoot threes or pass the ball to one of them to shoot, shoot a three. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If he was wide open, shoot a three. Otherwise, pass it to them to shoot, to, to uh, make a play because they're an all-star and you're not. And he understood his role, you know? So you started to see yesterday, and part of this I'll chalk up, part of his efficiency I'll chalk up to revenge game or whatever. But um, <laughs> you start you started to see yesterday like what he can do. I mean, you were like you said, you were talking about it. He can come around screens off the dribble and take a mid range jumper. He actually had one of the highest mid range shooting percentages yep. in the NBA fourth. last year. He was fourth, which is like absolutely absurd. I mean. His shooting percentage was so high that you could actually make an, a very compelling argument that, you know, if he's shooting 50% from the mid range, that's a statistically efficient shot, right? Because you're getting like one point per possession or, you know, whatever on average. But, um, he just, he does that. Like you saw a little bit more of the playmaking because he has these super athletic bigs that he could throw lobs to. He has Anthony Davis, who's dynamic in ways that big men he's played with aren't, haven't really been. Um, so he can get like the easy playmaking uh, stuff done. He can hit threes, not just off the dribble, not just coming around screens, but like falling down, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like around catching on the move and just gunning it. Like he, he, we have a lot of guys like Danny Green, for example, is really good at standstill catch and shoot like corner threes. If he has an open corner three, there's like a 70% chance he's going to make it. It's absurd, right? But you send him around curls like the same way you send Clay Thompson and and fire a pass to him and have him shoot it, his percentage dips a lot. You put the ball in his hands and say, take this screen, and if the guy goes under shoot a three, his percentage dips a lot. You know, those guys are... KCP, I think, is similar to that. We have a lot of guys who kind of fall in that bucket... But Quinn Cook is a guy who, like, you throw it to him anywhere, he's gonna he can get the shot up, and it, there's a decent chance it's going in. So I don't know how we're going to find him minutes. I know you have some thoughts on that. But if you think about just yesterday's game before it became, like, the fourth quarter and we put everyone on the bench, um, we pretty much saw everybody who – everybody play except for Rondo. And Kuzma has not yet played. Um when Kuzma comes back, you figure the minutes that went to some combination of the minutes that went to Caruso and, you know, uh, Quinn Cook would go to him. But then it's like, does Quinn Cook crack the rotation at all? Like, does Rondo have to not play? I mean, there's only so many minutes to go around when Avery Bradley's playing as well as he did last night. On both ends, can you justify finding minutes for Quinn Cook or can you justify not playing Avery Bradley close to 30 minutes. I don't know. Um, I think Kuzma is probably going to get pretty much all of Dudley's minutes. um, And they will probably be able... But Dudley played like eight minutes. Yeah, well, he's definitely going to get all of those, right? But And then that's going to allow the Lakers to actually have those lineups where LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both off the court. And then when they stagger those two, he'll probably also get minutes with... AD. I forget if Dudley played majority power forward yesterday, but I don't know. I don't want to get into the, the specifics. It is going to be a challenge for Vogel to sort of 
finagle how he's going to work guess, in the guards. But I guess but, my point yeah. is, like, I, you know, it's like, where does he find minutes? As good as he looked, if they're going to play Rondo, I just don't see where he finds minutes. And that's the concerning thing to me. I think Rondo is just going to slot into those spot Caruso minutes that we saw Caruso play. And I think one thing that's promising that we have seen Vogel do is play like three guard lineups, you know? I think Rondo, not Rondo, but Quinn Cook, Bradley, and KCP may all have been out on the floor at the same time last night. Or Quinn Cook, Caruso, and KCP. So I think the fact that he's willing to slot guys like a spot up just because of the luxury that we have with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dwight Howard is a promising sign that I think he'll find a way to make things work. Rondo, I don't think is going to get that that many minutes uh, Quinn Cook might even be playing next to Rondo. I know that sounds horrifying for some fans, but I really don't think the deficiencies at, at guard or, or shooting guard are going to be that devastating, especially if it's coming from the bench unit when we have such a a, a lineup with Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, like how we saw Danny Green chasing guys off the three-point line, Avery Bradley. I think he'll find a way to make it work. I don't know, the, just just how, how offensively potent we look with Quinn Cook. There's no way you can put that back in the can. You know, there's no way you can hide that. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the politics play itself out. I think, unfortunately, for those who, fans who are Caruso fans, he's probably going to have to take the back seat first, and then hopefully he overtakes Rondo. Um, and I'm hoping, hoping that KCP gets phased out. I mean, I don't want to go into the specifics and details, but I think everybody is in agreement that if there are two guys who should get less minutes, it's probably Rondo and KCP. Bump up Quinn Cook, bump up Avery Bradley, bump up everyone else, pretty much. Bump up Kyle Kuzma when he returns. Phase out KCP, phase out Rondo, and we should be clicking the way that we clicked last night. So, any last thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think I think we covered it. Yeah, and we'll see as soon as uh, Tuesday. It's crazy. The season is upon us. Um, last thing I want to say is uh, Avery Bradley. Shout out to Avery Bradley. It's very clear that this guy was just so focused on defense that he did not have his legs for his jump shot. And you saw it the last two games he played, the one in China where he had 14 points and hit like three or four straight jump shots in a row. And then tonight, he hit four of five from three-point land, had 18 points. His jump shot looked wet. Uh, He's still short-arming some of his misses, but it's clear that he's also getting used to being that wide open next to LeBron James. And once he let the nerves settle down and he was like, you know what? This is just like practice. We saw him knock it down. And historically, Avery Bradley has been a really good three-point shooter on high volume and a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter when he's open. I think he shoots like 40% whenever he's wide open, which means the defender is at least six feet away from him. And we saw that in full effect last night. So shout out to Avery Bradley for that. Shout out to him and Danny Green really locking it down with the starting unit on the perimeter. Uh, Danny Green, just what what a high-level, high-basketball IQ sort of team defender out there um, who even if he gets beat by his man, you know he'll rotate and be in the right spot to help recover and even absolve some of his own ills and, and deficiencies on that end. So... Yeah, really great game overall. Um, Last minute, Tommy, I'll give to you Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Basham Bros. Dwight Howard, we didn't even talk about his six-assist game the the night before when LeBron James and Anthony Davis didn't play. That was insane. I think both these guys are going to average like 11 and 8. Maybe JaVale McGee averages 11 and 6 and Dwight Howard averages 10 and 9 or something, but... 
between our two bigs off the bench, you're pretty much getting like a 25 and 12 sort of player. And you mentioned how Dwight Howard looks debilitated now. He looks like he's lost a step. I actually think that's for the better because it only reinforces to him that this is my role and I should really stick to it. But outside of that, as you get older, as you age, I feel like Dwight Howard is being forced to play smarter as well. And you're sort of seeing that. He's lost his athleticism, but he's finding other ways to contribute. And he's re- he's showing off some playmaking chops that we were wishing he had when we were when we had Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash and Pau Gasol. And now he's seeing, I can contribute in this way, even if I can no longer catch this lob the way that I used to. And we outlined the pathway to a tolerable, a tolerable marriage between Dwight and the Lakers when we first signed him, but he is exceeding our wildest expectations and dreams. And uh, Dwight has bought in fully, and I am all in on Dwight Howard's second stint with the Lakers. Yeah, Dwight's been amazing. Like you said, we highlighted a bunch of things that, in a best-case scenario, could make this Dwight signing like super super valuable for us in the sense of, uh, you know, what we're paying him relative to the potential theoretical impact he could bring. Right. And it seems like you said, like he's buying in. I mean, if he'd played like this his whole life, I mean, it's just so crazy, right. To imagine where he would be and like what his perception would be. And it's equally crazy that in one season he can completely turn all of that around just by doing it once. You know, so he, if he does it once, he sticks to it, and it seems like there's no reason that he wouldn't. You know, he was uh, came off the bench in, in the game um, that was most likely a preview of what our normal rotation is going to go like. AD played a little bit stretch five to end the first. Dwight came in for like a stretch in the second quarter and like a stretch in the third quarter, basically. Um, he probably won't, I mean, you know, in most games, maybe he doesn't get over 20 minutes a game. I don't know what the specifics are going to be, but the point is he's accepting his role. He's cheering on the bench. He's having fun with his teammates. I'm very impressed with uh, what I've seen so far. Yes, Dwight Howard. All right, with that said, we'll close this out. We will have one more show episode um, before the season starts. Very excited. The time has finally come. The quest for 17 has begun. Tommy, is it lit? Who's lit? It is Liddy. Okay, we'll catch you guys next time. Tommy. Peace. Laters. Laters on the Menji. 